<laughs> and I am Robert M. Price. I'm Dr. Daryl Ray. And- Hi, I'm Karen Lumley Care. Hi, I'm Aaron Roy. Hi, I'm Marissa Alexa McCool. Hi, I'm Jerry DeWitt. Hi, this is David Smalley from Dogma Debate. Hi, this is Dan Barker. Hi, I'm John McComb from The John McComb Show. Hi, I'm Dr. Drance. Hi, I'm Richard Carrier. Hi, I'm Rhonda Tyson. Hi, I'm Seth Andrews. I'm host of The Thinking Atheist. Hey, guys, I'm Kara Santa Maria. Hi, I'm David Fitzgerald. Hi, I'm Brian Keith Dalton. Hi, this is Tom and Cecil from Cognitive Distance, and we took a left of the valley. We did take a left of the valley. And a wrong and, turn in Albuquerque. And then, like, the left of the valley goes right to a glory hole. It it's like, is right done. to a glory hole. <laughs> I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith in unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. Coming at you under that pile of rake leaves, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I'm not sure if I look this bad naked or it's just the lighting at Walmart. <laughs> Joining me as usual is the rest of the team that's banned from Walmart. She told the priest to keep his church out of her sex life and she'll stop having sex in his church. Nancy. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to not drink my coffee until we're done. <laughs> and her drug test came back negative. Her dealer has some explaining to do. <laughs> Damn straight he does. <laughs> Ladies, hey, welcome back. I'm, I'm still stuck at trying to picture the lighting at Walmart and where, <laughs> what, depa- what department you're in. Well, you know, fluorescent lighting doesn't always make everything look good. No. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. It's quite harsh. I'm, I'm not as young as you used to be either, let's face it. <laughs> Ladies, welcome back. So today we'll be talking to the folks from Ask an Atheist, and that's going to be in the second half of the show. But first, let's do a, bit, a, bit, yeah, a little bit of chit-chat. Oh, by the way, uh, for Canadian listeners, happy Thanksgiving. That's Yay. right. It's Canadian Thanksgiving. And for American listeners, Canadian Thanksgiving and the American Thanksgiving do not happen at the same time. Uh, it's just because in Canada it's colder and they used to do the harvest before, I guess. So when, when is the American Thanksgiving? It's November somewhere, right? Third Thursday in November. Third Thursday in November. Okay. And for us, it's in October, so that's fine. Uh, speaking of Canada, did you guys uh, watch the leaders' debate? No. No. Well, we are in the <laughs> we are in election year. Uh, the election is happening October twenty first, uh, federal election. Um, we only had, or we're only going to have a forty day election period, which is a stark difference with our American friends of the South. There. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, of course, it was a leaders' debate. You had Justin Trudeau, Andrew Scheer of the Conservatives, Elizabeth May, uh, Maxine Bernier of the Extreme Conservatives, and Jasmine Singh. Um, uh, who uh, Jasmine Singh, by the way, who was said to have the best performance. Yeah, his I've heard profile really has been. Good. I've heard very good things about I've... him. Of all the leaders, he's one. He's come out like really classy. Yeah, really, yeah. really classy. From the bits that I have seen, mm-hmm. he definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, um, uh, of all of all uh, the people, thirty-two percent of the viewers basically said that uh, that uh, he had the best performance, and even twenty-five percent of the liberal supporters said that he had the best performance. So, wow. is, But does that mean that's going to make a split to the left? It's hard to tell. It's, I, I haven't really watched, but from the news, 
They're giving everything away. That's they're giving away tax breaks. Oh yes. They're giving oh, away yeah. freebies. You know, they're they're doing everything but saying, you know, come on to Ottawa and you can have the Houses of Parliament for your party. <laughs> you know, for the rest of the year. It just I don't know how many of these promises are going to come to pass. But it's it's almost funny. Yeah. You know, because somebody says, no, we're going to do child care. You know, and we're going to reduce child care. I don't understand why this hasn't happened. I mean, my old province of Quebec. Uh, child care has been kind of taken care of in a long time. Yeah. I mean, when, when when my daughter was born, this is 20 years ago, right? Uh, they already had subsidized governmental child care, mm-hmm. and it was $5 a day. Wow. Yeah, yeah. and it was it was like 24-7. So you, and both her and I at the time were working a night shift. So we would pick her up like at 2 a.m. after the shift was done. And she was already asleep. We just like to dress her up and put her in the car, and it was done. It was just like like wow. that. Yeah, and it, it, they were professionals, and they were like like nurses and stuff like that. And it was like a, a great environment. And you need something like that, exactly. And when I, when we moved here to BC, I'm looking, my God, the same daycare was going by some schmo in his basement is going to cost me a thousand dollars a. Uh, a month or something like that. Right. God, that, this is that insane. Little, I mean, if you were, if, if we were in the states, we'd be talking about fifteen hundred dollars a month, and you'd be on a six-month waiting list to get in, and they'd have to bring you in for an interview mm-hmm. and make sure that your your baby has a good disposition, so that you move up to the top of the line. And if you think I'm kidding. Talk to some of the moms who are having Absolutely. difficulty. I feel like the crazy thing is I I totally believe you one hundred percent seriously. Yeah, you know, and this is why uh, this is one of the things I lament about here in the West and BC because they have a problem and they always look first for a um, market solution. They always look for you know a solution that's going to create businesses and blah blah blah, and then when of course they they have this little shitty business thing going on there. I wouldn't realize it's not meeting the expectation of people. And if, uh, then they want to go to subsidizing or government subsidized. But then you're creating, oh, my God, you're going to kill all these poor businesses. Well, yeah, the same thing with the liquor in B.C., right? Why does it, why does it have to be so complicated? You know, if, uh, because the bureaucrats need to have their fingers in the pie. I, it's just it's, it's just nonsense. I, this is one of the, the, the things I, I actually miss with my old province. We, we don't have this this aggravation for nothing you know you, you want a beer you just go to a convenience store you know it's it's there you don't need to go to this government's store that's only open on certain hours and blah 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 and it's like, <sighs> yeah but now you can order booze from the liquor store on skip the dishes <laughs> yeah i guess you can do that <laughs> Some, sometimes sometimes government programs work better the idea that you know the private Private hand, invisible hand in the market always has the better way of doing things. That's that's just not true. It's just not true. And you know, when you have a promise that's already doing it, and this is one of the problems we have in the West, we're always looking south to the states to see what's coming up and how we can fix things. No, we need to look how some of our promises have already solved this. And you know, instead of uh, uh, emulating the states as the way to go, why don't we look to Europe? They're already yeah. way more progressive. This is why Quebec is the most progressive province right now because they don't look. They don't look to the states. They look to Europe. Yeah, and there's there's a correlation here that's very clear. While BC and Alberta, they look to the states. What's going up? And they try to adopt the same kind of tactics that fail in the states and fail up here. Quebec's looking to Europe, and they're ahead of it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. BC seems to be like the red 
tape province in, in Canada. You know, it just takes takes a longer, more complicated uh, process to do anything. Yeah. Well, I, and I, more expensive, of course. So. Anyway. At any rate, anyway, that's okay. I, I saw something that I thought you guys would find very interesting here. Uh, you know how on the show we always, you know, we're not really conservative, and <laughs> we kind of lament the conservative scourge. Uh-huh. I saw this this letter, which I, I found on Facebook. It's called A Day in the Life of, a Conser- of Joe Conservative. You need to listen to this. So Joe gets up to work and fills his kettle with water to prepare his morning tea. The water is clean because some tree hugger fought for minimum water quality standards. Um, with his first swig, oh, I'm writing a small here. With his first swig, he takes his da- daily medication. His medicine is safe to take because some stupid commie fought to ensure the safety of that they work as advertised. He prepares his bacon and eggs. Joe's bacon is safe to eat because some girly man liberal fought for laws to regulate the man the meat packing industry. In his morning shower, Joe reaches for a shampoo. His bottle is labeled with each ingredient because some crybaby fought for his right to know what he was putting on his body and how much it contained. Joe dresses, walks outside, and takes a deep breath. The air he breathes is clean because some environmentalist wacko fought for laws to stop industries from polluting our air. Joe drives to work in a safe, regulated car because meddling do-gooders fought for more safety features and standard. Joe begins his workday. He has a good job with excellent pay, pension, paternity leave, paid holidays, and sick pay because some union layabout fought and died for these working standards. Joe hurts himself at work, and an ambulance takes him to the emergency. He receives free at-the-point-of-use treatment thanks to some bloody interfering trots who decide to create a national health care service. Joe gets home and relaxes by listening to the radio. The host reminds him everyone that socialists are dangerous and conservatives are trustworthy. He never mentions that the conservatives have fought against every protection and benefit Joe, en- Joe enjoyed throughout his day. Joe agrees. We don't need big government socialists ruining our lives. After all, I'm a self-made man who believes everyone should take care of themselves just like I have. Joe lives in blissful ignorance. Yeah, no, that's so true. That is absolutely yeah, true. It, it really is. It really is. I, I saw that and I said, oh my God, that's just absolutely beautiful. And it, <laughs> it speaks volumes to how... And we've said this on the show for the longest time, you know, it's what I've always said, you know, why are people proud to be conservative? Yeah. Every major advancement we have, whether it's minimum wage, rights for women, rights for uh, people of, of, of different color or whatever, everything that you think is good in your life, conservatives have fought against tooth and nail, and mm-hmm. they've lost every single battle. Yeah. So you're conservative, why exactly? And they don't get it. They don't know. They don't get it. That's the problem is they really don't get it. They don't you know, get it. When, if, even if you point it out, you know, when they say, well, I'm a self-made man, and you go, oh, <laughs> oh, oh you really? constructed the highways, mm-hmm. you, you put it, you, you devised the, uh, you know, the signal lights so that everything, th- those are the things, and they'll the look at you like you're from another planet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But that's really, that's, uh, you know, I, I wish they'd get it. Uh, Come on, conservatives. This this is this is also why that um, you know even in in this election, you're seeing that. I don't know about you. I don't have numbers for this, but it seems to me I get the impression like for every lie you might debunk from a liberal side, you have like ten you have to debunk from the conservative side. Mm -hmm. It's, It's like it's 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 outrageously. There's a huge disparity between the two, and they 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 can only get people on emotion. You have to really stir the hatred, stir the fear for the conservatives to come in and say, yeah, you're right. 
Anyway, moving on. Um, uh, did you guys hear that uh, there's some federal data in the states that showed that the income inequality is highest that's ever been since uh, in 2018? And this, uh, this was 24 hours after Trump said that uh, it was down. The Census Bureau released data on the, uh, I think it's GINI index. The GINI index essentially goes from 0 to 1. 0 being equality for pretty much all, and 1 being uh, a lot of inequality. And right now they stand at 0. Uh, 0.485. Ooh. That's 2000, 2018. In 1967, for example, it was 0. 0.397. So, Damn. yeah, the United States is much more uh, inequality... Uh, in revenue, anyway, in the, in the in wages and everything. Oh, that's that's been true for a long time. It has, but it's getting is, worse. Which Sad. is why Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. got you know the mm-hmm. the traction that he did back in 2016 because he hammered and hammered and hammered on that. Absolutely. Perfect. And uh, here on the local scene, <laughs> in Abbotsford, Chilliwack, you know, in each October in Abbotsford, Chilliwack, there are a couple of churches that go on and they protest abortion. Uh-huh. Well, there's one that kind of went a bit above and beyond. <gasps> it, yes. In Chilliwack last week, uh, children were given <gasps> anti-abortion goodie bags. Oh no, I did hear about this. Anti-abortion. Yes. I missed this. There was a parade oh, in Ro- there was a parade in Rosedale, right? Okay. The, Ro- the Rosedale Harvest Festival, and the kids were given little bags containing a plastic fetus <gasps> and so literature directing them to the Chilliwack Pregnancy Care Center. And oh, this was given out to kids like to goodie bags. Yeah, it was so bad. Oh my god! They're giving, preg- you know, go to the the anti-abortion the, pregnancy yeah. office, and you're ten years old, and you got a goodie bag. <laughs> yeah, is this a little, you know, is this a little weird? Uh, it's, it's extremely, extremely weird. weird. A lot of people were very upset with that, and rightfully so. I was like, God, this is <laughs> it's was almost this Halloween. Culture? It's kind of creepy, actually. Was it Culture Guard that was giving them away? No, apparently it was from the uh, the the the, the Chilliwack Pregnancy Care Center themselves. Oh, oh. Although they they could not be a reach for comment. Wonder oh, why? Yeah. Wonder why? Because a lot of people were just like, oh my God, they were up in arms about this, and it, of course it's making the tours all over the place. And right here in our well, <laughs> some <laughs> idiot thought it was a good idea, and then it's like, oh. Yeah, that didn't go over how we planned it. Yeah, can it's, you imagine get a plastic fetus? That's creepy as hell. Little baby yeah, like, fetuses. Like they showed pictures of like what the goodie bags were. It was like a little pamphlet thingy, the plastic fetus, and wasn't there like a candy or something in it? Oh, maybe I don't or know something. It was just ugh. like why? You know, I think I did see that, but went right by it and didn't realize. Uh, yeah, it, it probably did yeah. pop up because it was it popped up a few times throughout. Right, it popped up. If you're on my feed on Facebook, you must have seen it because I posted yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's probably one place where. Right, God, what are you, what are you thinking here? You I don't think, think they're thinking. I mean, no, I don't this, think they're thinking either. This is a total absence of thought. Wow. <laughs> you uh, think if it was April, it's going to be a prank? No, no, no. <laughs> These people are. Uh, that's a, no, the wrong way to do advertising like, for your cause. For if you sure. want to help with pregnancy, try handing out maybe condoms instead. Yeah, but not exactly. to children. No, you can't yeah. do that. Not Condom. to a little ten-year-old. Condoms are evil, don't you know? Uh, <laughs> have you ever seen when they put the condom out the car window? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we we used to uh, as well as kids, <laughs> as teenagers, <laughs> we used to fill them up. Right, and then they they become gigantic, of course, with, <laughs> yes, with water. Right, and then you put it under the blanket, <gasps> and then you invite your friends. Hey, jump on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it created a mess. We we weren't always nice or good people. Oh, but it was good fun. I'm sure. 
<laughs> oh, it was fun for us, that's for sure. <laughs> My dear Nancy, you got a top ten for us? I don't think I can top anything <laughs> that we've already been talking about. <laughs> I'll give it a go. Top ten uses of condoms. Top ten, yeah. I missed, obviously missed the boat on that one. Anyway, yeah, this is something that we've, this is sort of a revisiting in okay. a way. But it's, I'm revisiting it because it comes up all the time. And these are 10 of the worst alternative medical treatments. Oh, I don't no. know why. We keep, you know, and <laughs> so I know none of our listeners fall for these, but they have friends. And I'm hoping, <laughs> you know, that if any of you hear about anyone thinking about any of these alternative, please rescue them and tell them no. The number 10 on the list. Now, all of these are uh, proponents of um, natural medicine. Yeah. I mean, um, what is it? Um, all of a sudden, my mind is a blank. Poison ivy is natural, uh, yeah, but you course. don't want to sit in a bed of it because it's natural. The natural so, fallacy. Yeah, just because it's natural. It's the word natural seems to be the big hook. Yeah. You know, that you're not taking chemotherapy, you're doing something natural, which is can be just as bad on you or worse <laughs> of course. Than, than the medical treatment. So um, the, uh, the, the, the they're, they're quacks, these people, which is derived from the Dutch word quacksalver, which means hawker of salves. Nice. So same, same thing. Uh, Tim Minchin, who we love, um, summed it up. He said, do you know what they call alternative medicine that's been proven to work? Medicine. Medicine. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> anyway, so number 10, this seems to be the standard laetril. 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 You, you haven't heard of? No. Laetril is a, a relative of amygdalin, which is a substance found in the pits of apricots and other fruits. Okay. And so, as well as almonds. So they've used that in various forms in the treatment of cancer. The problem is, it, it, this, this goes way back to the middle of the 20th century. Um, at any rate, there's this guy whose name was Ernest T. Krebs. There's a, you, you need to be careful of the name, Ernest T. Krebs. There's yeah, no, yeah, right there. That, nothing good can come from That sounds Ernest like a T. fake name. Yeah. It's like Elmer Fudd. So, Dave, <laughs> this has been tested and tested and tested and tested, and every test comes out the same. Don't use it. It's not going to work. It's phony. But people who are desperate because yeah. it's natural, the problem is, is that um, the cancer the, the cancer cells um, are, are aren't present in regular healthy cells. So the the medications that they use are are pretty harsh, you know, to, to try and get rid of them. And so in in pushing laetrile, they say no, it's more natural. It's not as harsh. However. The, the medication uh, that performs laetrile consists of cyanide poisoning. Ugh. And the cyanide poisoning has been linked to a lot of deaths because of, of the laetrile. It's supposedly banned from the U.S., but it has been brought in. And most of the laetrile clinics now are in Mexico, and people still go to Mexico. Um, and and so the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the chemicals in the pits will turn to not 100%, but it can be deadly. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I had heard that about, like, the almonds and, like, the almonds. pits in that. It's yeah. got... They actually have to wear gloves, I think, to harvest almonds. 
Yeah. Really? I mean, this year I've heard of, of people me if I'm that wrong, I know but... going to Mexico and trying some, some of the no-go. Wow. So I was if anybody mentions Laetrile, it's it's poison. Don't don't do it. Um, number nine is colloidal silver. Oh God, yes. Yeah. What have you heard about? You, you <laughs> heard, yeah. People that propose colloidal silver to basically say it's an antifungal, yeah. antibacterial, anti-everything, and Herpes, it's great for you. HIV, you yeah, know, yeah. all viral infections and so forth. But uh, what it is is it's a colloidal substance that consists of microscopic particles and they're suspended in a liquid, and it's usually taken orally. Yes. But um, some of it. Uh, can be in salves or injections. Um, the problem is, of course, that um, colloidal silver can also burn you. Yes. And uh, victims um, have have had the colloidal silver burns, um, but there's no benefit to it. They get all the side effects and no no benefit. I also heard that if you take way like way too much of it, uh, you will your skin will also turn a kind of blue bluish color. Yeah, it does. What? It does. Yes. It, and, so you um, kind of look like a Smurf, all of it? Yeah, it's it's really weird, and it can also result in kidney damage and neurological problems and so forth. I mean, so, I, 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 in my great shame, I did take some in the past, you know, when I wasn't as much of a skeptic as I am now. Uh, and, you know, but I was always kind of leery about it because the idea of taking, even if it's silver, yeah. the idea of ingesting a metal just didn't make any sense to me. Even if it's diluted in water and blah, 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 yeah. microscope. Ingesting a, a, a metal just doesn't seem right. It just no, something in your brain was like, substance. um, it's a foreign substance. Maybe not. Yeah. No. So anyway. So here's one that may or may not be um, well known. Yohimbi. You know. No idea Yohimbi. what that is. It's extracted from the bark of a species of evergreen trees native to Western Africa. Um, it's been a traditional aphrodisiac um, in. In Africa, uh, but the experts say it has beneficial antioxidant properties designed to prevent heart attacks. Uh, but it can actually lead to medical complications, including increased heart rate, kidney failure. But it's sort of like an exotic um, substance that was brought over to Europe at the end of the 19th century. Um, and Western medicine at one point used the extract for treating impotence, which was a popular idea until Viagra came about. I, I think my, my rule of thumb is as soon as it says it's an aphrodisiac, you, that should raise a red flag. Uh-huh. Yeah. That should raise a red flag right there. <laughs> yeah. So I don't I don't know whether that's illegal in Canada and the States or not, but I know I've run across Yohimbi a couple of times, but, uh, you know, don't use it. <laughs> you know, it goes on the list. Sounds like the name eight. of a mystical guru. Hey, Yohimbi, how you doing, man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here's one that I really, I've never heard of. It's a really a strange one. I don't know if you have. Avaloz, A-V-E-L-O-Z, and I didn't even know if nope, I pronounced it. doesn't ring a bell either. It's, a, it's an herbal extract. Herbals are one of those things that are yeah, that's trigger another, words. Yeah, that's a trigger um, word. It's made from the sap of a Brazilian shrub. Okay. Um, and it's been around for a long time, 2,500 years ago. Practices of, uh, practitioners of folk medicine have used it as a remedy um, but it has some corrosive properties. It was obscure until the 1980s, but now it's it's a popular extract. I mean, have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't either. It. it can be diluted into water or tea, uh, but it's not really been analyzed really well. Oh, okay. It's just um, people say people the uh, the quacks say that it can kill tumors with a, if it's taken orally or used on the skin, but um, it's useless. 
uh, against cancer, and it actually may promote the growth of tumors oh, as well. Wow. So maybe the exotic name, you know, may fool people. I think, I think a lot, like you said, trigger words are herbal, natural, exotic name. People follow yeah. this stuff. Yeah. So don't be the sap taking the sap. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Number six is one that we've talked about from time to time. Colonic irrigation. Weren't there coffee? Yeah. Anima, coffee enemas. Like yeah. yeah. Things like no. Uh, actually, it goes back to the ancient Egyptians and was just as ineffective then as it is now. <laughs> but people keep thinking, yeah, it cleanses you. It's the cleansing. You want to get rid of all of those nasty, you know, biotic things in your body but it really it doesn't doesn't do it so um (laughs) proponents you know saying that it it detoxifies cleanses that's another buzzword Uh yeah and during some of the procedures if they're not done right if people aren't careful you can get infections you can have kidney liver failures as well as perforations people don't often think about the things that can go wrong nope when it seems oh it's so simple i'll just shove something up my rectum and what? wow i'll be cured yeah it's like it's hot yeah, coffee up your ass Uh-oh. i mean yeah. that should be a red red flag right there no yeah. coffee up my ass. coffee's supposed to go in the other end guys that's that's i don't right. even like coffee to begin with okay. number, no you're weird yeah number five is another one that i'm not familiar with germanium g-e-r germanium that's one of the flower isn't it yeah that, it is. that you know that one well the name is somewhat familiar the yeah, flower is named after the same it, it's sold under a lot of names including vitamin o vitamin o what? yeah it, it's a metalloid similar to tin or silicon talk about silver oh, i think we're thinking of geraniums yes <laughs> that's what we're thinking of geraniums yeah this is used in fiber optic systems or solar cells. <laughs> yeah, I want to put that in my body. Yeah, exactly. Um, Only if I want a, a cyborg eye. Hey, it says fiber, right? Fiber optic. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get your fiber in. Yeah. So useful now with vitamin O. Yeah. So this is another cancer cure. A lot of these are the the two that seem to pull people in the most are cancer and oh, autism. Of course, those I, those two people are the most desperate. Yeah, that's where so you're going to get it. So those are the ones that that they're targeted. These will cure, you know, and you can't use the word cure because that's illegal unless it actually does yeah. cure. So um, it doesn't help cure cancer. Doesn't do anything. Um, so that's another one that uh, that you want that people want to steer clear of. Here's an, this is a really weird one, and I I'm going to butcher it. S E S C H A R O T I C S. That's they're called black or yellow salves. There are a number of different ointments that are made of corrosive, and that's a lovely Ooh. thing. Corrosive agents which claim to be able to draw out the cancer. <laughs> Draw the cancer by burning through and destroying it. Yeah, pretty much. It's not like cancer is like a liquid thing you can just extract like with a syringe. Yeah, some of them are used for STDs too. So, they're, but they're they're mostly the salves, and they're they they do little um they they do little benefit and a lot of damage. Yeah. To anyone. Anything <laughs> now that you know the name, hopefully, and can pronounce it. You know, <laughs> uh, cellular medicine, which we know are, are multivitamins and and things like that. Those are the um, the um, micronutrients mm-hmm. that became very popular. And then coming down to number one. MMS or miracle mineral solutions. Yeah. Those are the ones that Did are you like just say bleach. miracle right there. Right? Yeah, 
This is this this is the worst. This is created by a man named Jim Humble. That's a wonderful name for it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he compared himself to Jesus. Oh, so oh we know, thank okay. good he's humble. And what this is, it, it's a a 28% solution of sodium chloride, a compound primarily used in the bleaching and stripping of paper. <laughs> but this, I, I, there have been times in, in, in the newspaper in the, um, over the past several years when you've read of children um, dying because their parents used a bleach solution. Yes. This is, this is what that is. Oh. Yeah, isn't that... Mostly for autism. Was, wasn't uh. that one of those things too that you used to try to inject in your, in your ass? Bleach. Yeah. It, 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 Didn't um, they do that too for a while there? Was something like that, like a bleach enema or something like that. I don't know. I grew up on a farm. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't have all this weird shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is what what the original instructions were that if you take MMS with an acid like citrus juice. It activates it. Ooh. Unfortunately, it does activate it, but it generates chlorine dioxide, which becomes the bleach Ooh. when taken orally, nausea, diarrhea, possibly death. Yeah. Anyway, unpleasant subject, but they cause such a lot of harm. I don't think it's a, necessarily a bad thing to remind people, please don't go off the rails and look for something Just, that's being touted as the cure. It, it's Do so, your research. Well, you know, it's so easy to fall for this stuff because I think a lot of people are are, are saying stuff like, um, I, mean, I, I used to be one of them. I used, to, I used to fall for a lot of this stuff, right? To my great shame. And I would say things like, you know, did you know that, for example, the FDA in the United States will come and arrest you if you say that you have oranges and they're the cure for scurvy and only a drug can cure. And I used to actually say these things, right, to my great shame. And to some extent, it's right, but <laughs> you add to that um, conspiracy theories and you add to that, you know, errors in science in the past, you know, like, you know, we all heard, you know, doctors recommend camels, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all heard that, you know, 50 years ago, they used to, 50, 60 years ago, they used to recommend uh, a radioactive pill once in a while and stuff like that. Yeah, medicine and science has made some mistakes in the past, but... Of course, it's but easy that's for, how you learn. Yes, but it's easy to, for pe- people to list these and develop a mistrust in science and therefore go for the alternative, you know, which is the alternative cure, saying, oh, but then, then you come in with a nice story of... The Inqua Indians of lore used to cultivate this, and they were a healthy society, and people fall for that all the time. And I, I used to be one of them, to my great shame. I know, and people don't normally Google, you know, like Laetril, peer-reviewed, yes. or, you know, Laetril, illegal, or they don't look at those kinds of things. Yeah. They're sold by the promises that are made to to get over whatever horrible... Uh, illness or disease that they're going through, and and I can understand that. As I say, I've known people, you know, to go to Mexico to do the laetrile and other natural cures yeah. rather than go through chemotherapy, because yeah. the side effects of chemotherapy oh, they're, they're are, bad. are horrible. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Uh, and I, mean, I spent I spent like for the past two weeks now, I've been spending on social media trying to get rid of this one story. From Natural News, naturalnews.com, the health ranger guy, mm-hmm. you know, that, that that quack. And people are sharing that story left, right, and center about, you know, how uh, the cancer industry, the pharmaceutical industry doesn't want to cure cancer. They prefer to keep 
patients, you know, treating patients, they have a cure, but they don't want to reveal that. People are sharing that article left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. You know, under the false impression that cancer is not like a disease. It's not like polio. It's not like a virus. You can't no. attack it the same way. You can't give it like an injection to cure yourself of cancer. No. But this this is sheer ignorance on the part of people, plus a combination of mistrust of pharmaceutical industry and capitalistic interest in the industry as well. It's such a complicated, complicated study. It, it is, because cancer is on the rise, yes. and people distrust um, the pollutants in the air. And that's fair. And different places where they work that, that they say, you know, are, are cancer producing through the through the water and through the air. So now they, they contract cancer, and then they're faced with horrible alternatives, medical alternatives, and it is complicated and people don't know where to turn because it's easy. People are already scared and when you're already afraid of dying and you're afraid of the side effects of the good medications at that point so many are vulnerable to trying anything else and i, and I can understand that i truly can yeah and i can be almost sympathetic for a lot of them because yeah. let's say for example i was to be diagnosed with terminal cancer uh, what do i have to lose Right? And what do I have to lose to try injecting myself with bee venom or something like that? You, know, you have nothing to lose, really, except yeah. a few bucks. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at, like... You're desperate at that point, right? You'll try anything. Yeah, exactly. And if you look at two potentially taking doing, like, chemotherapy, if that doesn't work, what is your next step? Exactly. So, kind of maybe putting that off in a way? And it, it is. It's, it's difficult because yeah. you don't... Under, most people don't understand how medications work in order to make a good choice. Yeah. And and you do have to think, okay, I have nothing to lose, but what if the side effects on the alternative medicine are worse? Yeah. And you, you don't really think about how am I going to deal with liver damage for the rest yeah. of my life because I've taken a chance. So now what are my alternatives? It's kind of what you have to do is do your research, you know, talk to your doctor, and you have to weigh out the pros and cons. Because yeah. every every medication is going to have pros and cons. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we know that every charlatan around the corner will prey on somebody who's terrified of the prospect of death. Absolutely. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll come in and try to sell you some false hope. And they will do that, for sure. And sometimes families wanting to do the best will encourage yeah, of course. a person to, what have you got to lose? Go ahead and try it. You know? yeah. I mean, if you get, like, a month left to live. Would you not spend every dollar you have to have two months? Yeah, you probably would. Just extend it one month, right? We we would we would all do that, except for Nancy, of course, because Nancy's <laughs> immortal. But that's yes. different. All right, moving on. Spend it living the life that you love. Yes, exactly. My dear Kirsten, you have another brilliant moment for us. I do, and it should lighten things up a little. All right, brought to you by religion. All right, so. Anyone have an extra $3,000 laying around? Sure. Let me just pull that out of my sock right now. Okay. Well, anyone want to be more Jesus than Jesus? (gasps) More Jesus than Jesus? That's like being Buddha, isn't it? Yeah. Almost. (laughs) Then you should consider buying these customized Nike Air Max 97s, a.k.a. Jesus shoes, (laughs) which which include a steel crucifix made of 100% frankincense wool come with 60 cc of holy water from the river jordan tucked under the soul and are inscribed with matthew 14 25 the verse where jesus supposedly walks on water you uh, hold on you are kidding me right i wish i was frankincense wool and water from 
What? Wait a minute. This okay, is, okay. This is going to be the greatest Christmas present ever. <laughs> Nike has nothing to do with this. Oh. Oh, thank goodness. Just getting that out there right now. Uh, so, you would think people wouldn't be dumb enough to do this. No, no, God, no. You would think. I would hope. But. <laughs> the first batch of these shoes were sold out almost instantly within a week. How much were they? Three thousand dollars. Oh, that's right, three thousand. Cheap at the price. <laughs> the godly shoes were made by Brooklyn-based product design company MSCHF, which sounds suspiciously like mischief, mm. uh, which created <laughs> about two dozen of the kicks as a way of trolling collab culture. Uh, its head of commerce, Daniel Greenberg, tells the Post, "We were wondering what would a collab with Jesus Christ look like." Greenberg says, "As a Jew myself, the only thing I knew was that he walked on water." Give the man credit. He's a Jew selling Jesus to gullible Christians. (laughs) I want to see some priest go out there with those shoes and try to walk on water. I want to see that. And of course, he'll probably be eaten by by an alligator somewhere. Oh, my God. Or, or, or we need to see this on, a, on, on an athlete like like Tim Tebow, it's and like, he tries to score a touchdown, and he gets like run over by something. Do they do they they come in all sizes, men's, women's, colors, everything? I, I imagine the colors are pretty limited at this point. They've only done about the two dozen that have sold out, but like kind of genius on his part in a way. Like yeah. three grand a pair made two dozen, and they sold out almost instantly with an. Almost instantly within well, the week. Well, if they're expensive, they have to be great, right? Like, yeah. Well, for, I mean, you can, you, can, you can market that so bad. I mean, you, I don't know where he puts the the water in there. It looks <laughs> like it's actually, Jordan. like, under the sole. But, okay. First of all, there's no way to test that's water from the River Jordan. Oh, God, no. He <laughs> can just, it's tap water from his sink. Probably. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, I no, was, but like, just, I was getting my credit card right now. <laughs> now and, call now. And People the, the crucifix by. that's but on wait, them. Wait, wait, there's more. <laughs> is, is not like this little tiny little charm. Like, it's a fair size. Like, I swear it's almost as long as my finger. Wow. Like, it's a fair size <laughs> crucifix. <laughs> So are these online? Can you? Is there a waiting list? Well, oh. I think they're waiting to for more produ- more to be made. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. they don't have any left. Wow. But oh. tell tell us the name one more time, just in case. They are. Oh, oh give me I'm a second. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> have to reopen yeah. the computer. Yeah. And you have to reopen. But the, the thing is, the great thing about these shoes is, if you break one of them, you can bury it for three days, and it comes back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we do live in British Columbia, and it rains, and I'm thinking, you know, these are so practical. What happens if you get a leak? All you're going to walk around is... (laughs) 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 You wear them too long, you get stigmata on the top of your foot, right? (laughs) Nike Nike Air Max 97s, which, if you've seen, actually, the pair of shoes, I have, I think, probably something of a similar style. I gotta look this up. Nike Air Max 97. Yeah. I gotta Google that. As soon as I win the lottery, there I'm buying those shoes. Nike Air Max. Yep. Ninety-seven. But like that's just that's the original. These are customized versions of those. Oh, okay, okay. So, so, so like, okay, and I gotta put Jesus in that too, I guess. Yeah, Jesus shoes. Jesus. There we go. There, ninety-seven Jesus. Well, the interesting thing is that they these guys devised it. And people actually bought them. I know. You know? I mean, it's just a normal shoe. There's just a yeah. crucifix on it. 
But that makes the difference. That makes the difference. That got to make the difference. Now on sale for four thousand dollars. It's it's nothing. It's it's the same shoe, but it's got the crucifix on it. I know. It, but like it's a fair sized crucifix, hey? Like it's not a tiny little. Chart. No, no, it's not. Yeah. So you run it kind of dangles on the side there. I mean, four thousand dollars. This says four thousand dollars here on CBS News. I, I wonder if Nike can go after them, but it's a customization. They the Air Max ninety seven goes for like Foot Locker for two hundred thirty five dollars, which is or yeah. it's already expensive. But so you're gonna go. You're gonna go no, for a run in these. No, but if you spend two hundred and they sell them for four grand, eh? <laughs> all you're gonna <laughs> hear is you're gonna hear clang, 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 clang. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be able to sneak up on anyone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, my dear. That was fun. <laughs> all right, so <laughs> let's take a quick pause, and when we come back, we'll be talking to. Either Sam or Becky or both from Ask an Atheist. So stay with us. In a world torn apart by a lack of reason. And I think it should be religion treated with ridicule and hatred and contempt. And I claim that right. In the morning. Hi, everybody. This is Robert Stanley from the Right to Reason podcast. And if you subscribe now, you'll get free. Learn more about the broadcast at therighttoreason.com. And I'm Amy with an I. And we're the hosts of Secular Soup, where each week we offer up a bowl of real talk about atheism, feminism, politics, parenting, and whatever else we want to talk about because it's our podcast. Just listen to what these random dudes are saying about our show. This is what would happen if Daria and Jane grew up and started a podcast. So if you like extremely foul-mouthed ladies with opinions, this is the podcast for you. Grab a bowl and taste the magic. Slurp even this. God wants, and I know what he says and in his book, I have access to a higher authority. Now, what I want you, I'll ask, how does he know that? And by what right does he claim to know the mind of God? And if you were a serious spiritual person, wouldn't you think it was a bit much that someone said they could come before you and tell you what God wanted? guest is Sam Mulvey of Ask an Atheist. He's a radio broadcaster. He's a snappy dresser and a sassy dancer. Sam, thank you so much for joining us at Left of the Valley. Thank you very much for having me. Well, you might regret this in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, for people that might... You've, you've been doing the show for quite a while in, uh, in Tacoma, Washington there. But for people that might not be familiar with your show, maybe you'd be so kind to give us a quick bio as to who Sam is and how the whole genesis of Ask an Atheist. Well, uh, yeah, I, I'm Sam. I've been active in the atheism community for, uh, I don't know, 15, 
uh, 14 or 15 years. Um, and then uh, I'm originally from Chicago. Uh, after moving around the country a bit, I landed in uh, here in Tacoma, Washington, where I will never move from again. Okay, and, before, before we go any further, you got to settle this. Does Chicago really have the best pizza? Okay. Um, I have a really... I, I I have a really complex relationship with pizza, um, <laughs> and uh, I I don't uh, I don't often talk about it because people get like you know I start talking about pizza and people start looking at me like I'm about to like drop a manifesto on them or something like that. But um, so there's two types of pizza in Chicago. There's the the Lou Malnati's uh, deep dish pizza, which is uh, which is the pizza we have when guests are over. Oh. Because uh, <laughs> if that's all we ate, if we if we all ate deep dish pizza all the time, we'd all be dead of cholesterol poisoning. Because that's <laughs> we're talking about like two inches of cheese, a stratum of sausage, and then a little bit of sauce on top of that. That's a casserole. That's not you know that's yeah. that sort of. Um, but I'm quite partial to the other type of pizza uh, that that you can get in Chicago. Um, which is a little, which is a little bit more related to, to pizza you're familiar with. It's it's Chicago cracker crust pizza. It's it's flat. It's cut into squares. It's all about um, it's all about the uh, about the ingredients. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, that's the one true pizza. Oh. And um, and so uh, you know, but I don't mind pizza outside of Chicago. I'm not like a I'm not like a pizza snob. I'm a beer snob, not a pizza snob. <laughs> um, and so, but the thing is, it's like there's pizza, there's pizza definition one, which is the pizza I grew up with, and then there's pizza definition two, which is pizza everywhere else. And that actually got me into trouble last week because I went to get a pizza on, up on the mountain. And I got pizza with the dreaded pineapple on it. <laughs> but pineapple on pizza is amazing. Yeah, it totally. Well, it, it's amazing on pizza definition two. It's terrible on pizza definition one. Um, and and so I got it, and I'm I, we're we're sitting at the at the, the checkout counter, and my friend Sharon's like, uh, "You're getting pineapple on pizza?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's not real pizza. It's okay." And oh my god, I just said that to the cashier. <laughs> I I just put my foot in it. I'm so sorry. And 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 she's like, "No, no, it's fine. It's fine." It's like, "No, let me un let me let me give you my manifesto." And, <laughs> I like this guy already. Yeah, pineapple on pizza is a thing up here in British Columbia. Actually, the Hawaiian pizza was actually a Canadian invention, believe it or not. Yeah. I've got a yep. funny story about the Hawaiian pizza. Christina once ordered so much pineapple on a pizza, they are actually like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Even up here, there's a limit. <laughs> that you want that much pineapple? <laughs> Sam, Sam, let me challenge you to type number three. See, I'm, Fr I'm French-Canadian, and this is the kind of pizza I grew up with, okay? Okay. I don't know how good you are at making your own pizza, but this is my challenge to you. All right. Make your dough, okay? Spread your dough normally, uh, deep dish style, right? Mm -hmm. And then you will, instead of a marinara sauce, you will put a spaghetti sauce. You will cook okay. some spaghetti noodles, add that, more spaghetti sauce on top. Then you put your cheese and your topping, throw that in the oven. Ooh. And when it comes out, it's a carb overload, my friend, but you will thank me. Yeah, I'm going to try that. I am definitely <laughs> trying that. That's not great. I feel like that would be delicious if you could somehow make it like a garlic bread dough. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, garlic. <laughs> sort of a garlic butter glaze on the top. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Definitely. Well, that was all the time we had today. Thank you, Sam. Thank you so much for joining us here. At well, Pizza. I know what we're doing. <laughs> but back to the topic at hand. <laughs> we were talking about asking atheists. 
Right. Okay. So, quick show bio. Uh, we started out as a cable access show uh, on Scan in Seattle, um, and this was when I was on the board of directors of Seattle Atheists, uh, the yay about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I was always interested in radio, but a lot of us who had gotten together to do um, to do uh, a, sort of an atheist thing were more interested in doing uh, television and kind of wanted to do a show. That was uh, a little, you know, sort of inspired by the atheist experience, and so we went along with that. Uh, we did that for about six months, and the thing is, is we're talking two thousand, we're talking two thousand ten, and Scan had a had a sort of legendary reputation in Seattle for being absolutely, you know, absolutely nuts. Uh, it was all <laughs> conspiracy theory shows, or. Um, uh, someone who was sort of a nudist or something like that. I was never really clear about about that show. Um, and then there was somebody who would just play hardcore porn on on Scan. Um, and uh, and they were all and sort of there was there was this group of people who uh, who were on each other's shows and it was all conspiracies. There's a show literally called Kurt Cobain was murdered. Guess what it was about? Um, and one of my favorites, a show called a conspiracy ish show called All Day Live. And it was none of those things. It was not all day, and it was not live. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, the, the, the 2011 municipal budget comes out, and Seattle needs to make some cuts because of the, the Great Recession. And they go, well, we can have parks, or we can have hardcore pornography on free-to-air cable television. Oh. Let me think about this. Which is getting cut? Scan gets cut. Um, and so six months in... We won a ton of awards while we were at Scan. Everybody really liked what we were doing, but cable access is, you know, sort of going the way of the dodo. There, there's not many cable access channels that have a studio available, and so uh, I decided, well, here's a chance for me to um, uh, to sort of push sort of a different idea. Let's go to commercial radio uh, because there's a, com- you know, I, I know some contacts in commercial radio. Commercial radio is something I've always wanted to do. Uh, I. I sound better than I look. Um, and, uh, uh, and so let's give it a shot. And we ended up at a, at a radio station called KLAY, 1180 AM, here in Tacoma. Uh, we were there from 2011 uh, until about 2014. Um, that was that was the only, for a long time, that was the only radio station that was actually pointed at Tacoma because all the other stations up here can hit Seattle, so they want to you know go where the money is, which is Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and KLAY was didn't really hit Seattle, so it was a Tacoma focused radio station. Uh, it, it was it was great. Uh, I you know it was super helpful. Just bought by the Catholics. Oh. Um, oh. So that that radio station is gone. Uh, after that, we we syndicated to like three radio stations for a while. One in Seattle, uh, and then a couple other ones. Um, so I can I can say I was I can say in the most crap crappest version of the phrase I was once a syndicated talk show host and that I was on more than one station, ooh, but ooh. three. I mean, almost not. Um, and then, uh, yay, about 2016, we went podcast only for a little while. And now, uh, for the last two years, uh, I've been, we now have two uh, low power FM radio stations uh, here in, in Tacoma um, Radio Tacoma uh, KTAH, and, uh, uh, which I'm the engineer at, and uh, KTQA 95.3, which is uh, the radio station that I run. 
uh, or I'm, I'm the president of that board. So yes. now we're on uh, now we're on Low Power FM, which is uh, the project I've been spending a lot of my time on lately when I'm not uh, when I'm not up the mountain or not on the air. That's what I've been working on, and so that's our uh, uh, that's our our sort of new home, and that's the short history of Ask an Atheist. Uh, and then once we went to radio and. Uh, it was suggested by a former host that we change it to Ask an Atheist with Sam Olvey, and I did, and I, I've been, I feel like such an egotist whenever I say the name of the show now. <laughs> hey, if you're looking for another show for your radio station, there's this little show called Left of the Valley, by the way. <laughs> great people, great hosts. <laughs> that, that conversation was coming, my friend. <laughs> so what was the difference in orientation between what you were doing on the radio and, and it, when you changed over to do the Ask ask an atheist what kind of evolutions did you go through well like i said the original folks who were involved on the show um that's casey doran and mike gillis uh jeremy Whitten and myself um they wanted to do a more anchor style look at the camera take phone calls uh mm -hmm. and, and discuss news kind of show uh which was great i mean i had a lot of fun doing it don't get me wrong um, but it was it was definitely a show in the model of atheist experience, mm -hmm. and, um, and and so and that made sense given the medium. You know, it's a visual medium, so we needed yeah. something to show people. So we had clips and and all that stuff. Um, when we went to radio, uh, a lot of folks were like, "Well, I know television, I don't know radio," and so they didn't really know where to take it. And my uh, my background, like. I grew up listening to to talk radio in Chicago, which is a little bit different than talk radio. We, we, at the time, we're talking like '80s, early '90s here, had a uh, uh, had a very different sort of style to it. It was a lot. It was a bit lower key. It was a it was more conversational. It was a lot more personality. Yes, there's a type one radio and a type two as well. <laughs> one of them is deep dish and. <laughs> Yeah, um, Chicago runs like that. <laughs> but like uh, the early, you know, uh, when Jonathan Brandmeier was in Chicago, I was a big fan of Stephen Gary, uh, Steve Dahl, and Gary Meyer. Um, and, and I wanted to do a show like that, which is which was more personality based and and more of a conversation, uh, more of a roundtable with the listener, just sort of sitting at the table and for technical technological reasons unknown, unable to speak other than through phone calls and email. And so um, one, of, one of my favorite <laughs> uh, one of my favorite jokes from somebody who uh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry, I'm blinking on that. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, we started out with um, sort of this, there's a lot of stuff that we continue, that we've always done with the show. We've always talked about current events. We've always talked about uh, uh, you know, we've always responded, we've always taken phone calls, we've always uh, listened to email. Um, all that stuff, but I think the difference is where before it was very serious and anchor-driven and and sort of educational. We still have that, but what I, what radio has really brought into it is uh, we're able to be funny a little bit more often. Mm -hmm. We're able to bring a little bit more comedy to it. We talk about ourselves a little bit more, and uh, we're we're just a conversation that the listener is a part of. Um, to the so that's sort of I think that's the major change that's that that's been in. That's very interesting because it seems your radio show is uh, is doing the same parallel that a, a, an atheist does in their own private life. We come out, uh, uh, you begin as an atheist, often very angry and you know very pointed to the fact, and and then as you kind of ease into it, you integrate more humor because as the late great Christopher Hitchens would say, uh, you know, humor is the uh, 
What's that quote I was? <laughs> <laughs> We're both doing it. <laughs> We're both doing it. Uh, hu- well, humor is the best weapon that we have. One of the best weapons that we have against religion, anyway. The emancipation. Uh, the, that's uh, a super. That's a really good point, and that that is spot on. It seems, it seems is- like your ra- your radio station and your, and your program is doing the same kind of evolution that an individual does in their life. Yeah, that is spot on. That yeah, absolutely. Wow. So, and so, uh, I have a good question. Yeah. <laughs> So, in in your political state that the United States are right now, Sam, I mean, are you are you seeing are you being positive about the future of atheism, especially with in in the tenure of uh, what's his name, Mago Mussolini, there, Donald Trump, <laughs> <laughs> Orange Julius, oh, whatever, whatever, whatever oh. the president is. Boy, howdy! Uh, <laughs> that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, I I I have been. I'm I'm having a little difficulty interfacing with the atheist community these days, really? I'll admit. Um, but I can't say whether or not that has anything to do necessarily with the community and um or or with myself. Uh, you know, I mean there's a reason I have to I have to spend a couple months hiding up a mountain every couple of years. Um but uh I Atheism to me is still really important. I still, I, I find myself, I, I, when I was going up the mountain, I was in a pretty bad mood. I'm like, I think I'm done talking about this. And, uh, and, and I think I've said all I got to say. Um, uh, but when I come down and I look at my social media and stuff like that, like all my, 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 like my Facebook wall is wall to wall atheists. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I, I have to go on other people's walls if I want to pick fights on the internet. Um, <laughs> And uh, uh, but nobody's talking about atheism uh, quite the way we were a few years ago. And in fact, like I always had it in my head that the the, the title of the last show I would do for Ask an Atheist would be Atheism is Bad, um, because I felt like it felt like from between say two thousand five to two thousand ten there was there was a, a a great there was a great social interest in atheism that sort of started petering out i'd say around somewhere between 2010 and 2014 Mm -hmm. and then with the election of trump everybody's like okay we've got more important things to think about and so everybody's talking about something else including me but then i'm taking i'm taking a step back and i'm I'm looking at things and well what's uh you know what's on the docket today uh what are we talking about i mean other than the impeachment stuff um other than just the the procedural stuff like what are the what are the the things that people are championing what's going on in the supreme court right now what are people talking about there uh what what subjects are coming up mm-hmm. and they're all like the great moral issues of the day that that trump is trying to smoke screen the rest of the country with mm-hmm. are all religiously driven yes all of them and so i find i i'm I'm finding it uh, now that I've been up and I've been screaming at my chair. Um, I, I'm like, uh, yeah, no, no. I still I have a lot to say about this subject. I still and so I I, I um there, and there's still a lot of I'm just as I'm talking to people. There's still a lot of people who want to talk about this stuff. I think there's just um uh, a lack of of focus on atheism right now because it seems like other other people or like there's other issues that uh. 
uh, that that are more important. But uh, I I intend, and I think what we can start doing is seeing uh, atheism and humanism as sort of uh, yes. uh, a a foundational uh, a basis, sort of a, a kernel that we can coalesce all of these other conversations around. And that's sort of, and, and you know, theoretically that's what we're doing, but I think we're getting farther and farther away from the core. They're, they're interconnected, it seems to, to me. And it seems that no matter how much you try to avoid talking about atheism, it, it goes back into politics. Either way, it draws you back in. Yeah. I, like one of the things I'm actually working on this, this piece, and I don't know if I'm going to publish it, but we've always talked about uh, atheism. You know, we talk about atheism as, it's, as if it's like a... a uh, a single social segment mm-hmm. because, you know, like there's something that ties us together with atheism. And we're even guilty of, of talking about it that way on Ask an Atheist. But the, the fact of the matter is, it's never been a cohesive group. It, it, what you don't believe in doesn't really tie you together much in the same in the same way that, say, religion does or bridge club does even. Um, do, you, do, you, do you feel it's really because it's not cohesive or is it because atheism has always been portrayed as the black sheep, as the odd duck, as something apart? And that's essentially that it's been propaganda from the religious side you know all the atheists are always a minority we are not you know you can, the numbers sh- sh- speak differently yeah I, I think that's definitely part of it is is the as atheism as the odd one out it's always perceived as uh something different something out, outside and everybody's wrong for the same reason but that that outsider uh that outsider look at atheism uh, brings it has its own attractions to certain populations of people, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and even within atheism, you've got, you know, you, you've got the humanist stuff. You've got uh, people who are atheists for political ideal ideological reasons, and the reasons they're coming to atheism are completely different and don't really mesh in the way that we expect. The only thing we have in common is is something we say on the show is the two-word definition of atheism. No God. Yeah. You don't have God, you're an atheist. That's the beginning and the end of it. Everything else is <clears throat> everything else is something else. And um and so, you know, when we start talking about morality and stuff like that, then then personally I have to go into, you know, secular humanism. Um but somebody who's a um you know, somebody who who's a a socialist or a communist who you know has some Marxist leaning and believes in the concept of state atheism, they're coming to atheism for a very different reason that has a dogmatic approach that I'm not necessarily going to jive with. And I think that you know that we weren't really that cohesive to begin with. And that's that that's actually been a, a statement I've been like that's that's been a part of my argument since the very inception of the show. Well, well, first of all, Sam, I might, I might say. Uh Kudos for you for taking a break and starting with the bottom of the barrel. I left the valley here, so it's, it's, it's nothing but up from there. I'm having fun, but, but maybe a different angle that you can take your show, if I, if I may be so bold to make a suggestion, is I, from our perspective, from an international perspective. It always seems to me that there are two types of atheism. You have the atheist of what's happening in the states, then you have the atheist worldwide. I, right. I, I think there's a lot of stories that and, and fights and little things that happen in the states that the rest of the world doesn't really know about or can't even care about. But atheism is not just a, a U.S. phenomenon. Although the U.S. concentrates a lot, the, uh, we have a tendency to say a lot of Americans are America-centric. They don't really think about what goes on outside of their own walls. And maybe maybe that's where asking atheists can go. If I may be so bold to suggest that. Uh, that's uh, actually. 
you know, in the last couple years with the election um, and with this administration, we had kind of fallen behind on it. But we've always been uh, it was always a focus of ours is to look beyond the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'd, we'd have uh, we had uh, uh, some folks on from Uganda a few weeks ago. Uh, we, we've we've often had uh, folks from from Canada on. Um, and uh, and I, I try to keep atten- uh, pay attention to, to uh, international politics as much as I can so that I can at least sound like I know what's going on when, when I'm interviewing somebody. <laughs> yes. um, and uh, that that is something I would definitely like to return to because uh, um, you are absolutely right. There, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of professional wrestling in a- in American atheism. Yes, and after all, isn't that one of the, the one of the values of our show, and probably your show as well, is to, to prove to people that you're not alone, and not just right. as, as an American, but as a citizen of the world, you're not alone in your atheism. I mean, there's a, there's millions of us all over the globe. So, yeah, I, I think a show like yours can really go far in that in that in that sense. Perfect. Uh, so, Sam, aside that. Uh, in the years that you've had, I'm sure you have plenty of uh, good interviews. Is there a one that really sticks out in your mind? Um, favorite interview or favorite guests? <laughs> oh, should I? Um, <laughs> well, I had I had shoot for the moon. Like I I originally asked my version of Ask an Atheist actually started out as a show called Part of the Problem. Um, and uh, and that's what I when we when I tried to get a show off the ground, I had this sort of like twelve episode prospectus that I dropped on people's laps um, about subjects that that uh, I thought would be interesting that were part of my 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 approach to atheism, which is uh, which I at the time seemed to be a little bit different from what was happening in American atheism. And so like going into like, you know, when we start when we like, for example, when we talk about what theory actually means when it comes to creationism versus evolution, mm-hmm. uh, instead of talking about the science, let's talk about the linguistics of it all. Because when somebody who's a scientist says theory, they don't mean the same thing as when somebody who doesn't understand science says mm-hmm. a theory. Um, and uh, in there, I had uh, I, I had the shoot for the moon episode, which was who can I interview who would never ever talk to me in a million years? <laughs> and top of that list was James Randi. Really? And uh, I interviewed him in 2012. Yeah, and uh, that was that was an amazing. Uh, he's a he's a real fun guy to interview. Oh, well, I actually interviewed him in person myself when he came to Imagine No Religion to make her great. Oh, guy. fantastic! Uh, yes, yeah. yes. Um, I interviewed him on. Uh, on not only was it a was it a was it a fun interview to do, it was also a technical achievement because there was a this happened to me a lot at KLAY. Is there was a mal, there was a technical malfunction in the studio. <laughs> Always, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so I had to work around it. And like the board op, I'm at my show is on Sundays. the The engineer isn't there. It's just a board op, and they're like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, ah, I'll do it, you know. And I start <laughs> jamming wires together. Um, uh, I've been thinking about um, uh, this wasn't a, this wasn't like a, a person I really wanted to interview, and it it didn't go negative, but it was a a strange interview. It was when I interviewed Alain de Baton, uh, in the early days of the show. He's a, a philosopher guy, and and he was um, and he was he, at the time he was pushing the idea of sort of this is before Sunday Assembly or anything like that, but the idea of 
atheist cathedrals and churches and stuff like that. But he had a had a very architectural background, and uh, uh, that ended up being a very strange interview wow. that I kind of enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> so when you go, uh, when you go back to to to, to doing the show, if if you you dream guess who would that be right now? Ah, oh, jeez. Well, oh, um, tough questions. Tough questions. Yeah, I, I mean, besides I us, to... obviously, you know, crew left the valley. Absolutely, absolutely, yes, I'm sure <laughs> it's in the top ten for sure. But you know, somebody uh, maybe I... less grand than us. <laughs> I don't know because I don't. I don't go for. After a while, I stopped going for the big interview and and started talking to. Um, and I actually enjoyed a little like about authors who've got books out. Um, mm-hmm. uh, people who have been involved with. Uh, uh, you know, people who are attacked by by religious organizations when they try to do good in the world. Uh, those interviews, those are always my favorite interviews because it feels like we're helping. I don't know if we're actually helping, but it feels like we're helping. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are nice. No. Uh, otherwise, I'd have to get a shovel and, and dig Christopher Hitchens out. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I nodded at him once. That's about as far as I got. <laughs> <laughs> He almost got to meet him in person. That's how that's amazing right there. Yeah, I, it was a fan of the show got me because um, she couldn't make it. She got me a ticket to see um, him and Sam Harris versus a conservative rabbi and a reform rabbi oh. at uh, in L.A. Um, that the talk's available on 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 uh, YouTube, and it was when it was when Hitchens was going through chemo, so he looked. He looked like death warmed over, um, but it, he was still definitely Christopher Hitchens oh, yes. up there. Yes, and and I and I got to go to the after party, but he was he was just swarmed, and I'm like, I'm not going to be a part of that. But he nodded at me. Or we nodded. I think I nodded at him. I think he saw me. That's about as far. Like that's I'm I fanned out about that. I <laughs> that's totally, pretty cool. That is pretty yeah. cool. That is very very cool. Oh man. So so Sam, uh, big is there any big plans besides that uh, for for asking atheist? Where do you where are you guys taking the show at this point? Well, uh we're starting to think about what we're going to do for our 10th anniversary since that's coming up in about 6 months. Uh we started the show in July of 2010. Mm-hmm. Um but a lot of my a lot of my focus right now is uh, building the new home for Ask an Atheist, uh, building KTQA, uh, the, the radio station. And that takes up a, a fair chunk of my time. Um, we have all the equipment we need for the studio. Uh, we, we got a, a, a great donation of... Um, I have a... like If you look at my house right now, it looks like a partially digested and regurgitated radio shack. <laughs> um, Five and points. Five points uh, it's got like I've got mixers all over the place. I, like I'm looking at like two 48 channel mixers that are about seven feet long. Oh my god! Um, I've got microphone processors. We got to like if you wanted a top notch, like a top of the line radio station, circa 1993. I got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and so I've got all the equipment. What I don't have is a place to put it. And so we've been trying to negotiate for some uh, for some space uh, here in, in in within the sort of the ten mile uh, contour of KTQA uh, to put up a studio. We almost had a space that fell through last week, and so now we're looking at some other stuff. Um, moving back to live radio is the thing. Um, I like I you know doing it pre recorded definitely has its advantages. Mm-hmm. 
in case you say something you don't like or whatever, uh, or or you drop an f bomb, which definitely happened to us at KLAY, and KLAY didn't have a seven second dump, um, <laughs> and uh, so that was fun. We've we've, we've been there. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> we we did a short stint on a little radio station uh, from university called CV, uh, CIVL 101, 101.7, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, Abbotsford is uh, very religious and they didn't quite like us. <laughs> that it is. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing you guys did that before Christina and I got here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but I really like I something about doing live radio uh, really, it, it really energizes me. And yeah. so, um, you, you know, the fact that that. I have to get it right. I have to do it. I have to time it. And like the studio here uh, in my house, built out of garbage, was actually originally designed to be uh, uh, to be for live radio. So like all the effects processing and stuff like that happens live. Um, and so uh, I'm really that that's sort of the big thing is going back to live radio. It also makes, believe it or not, it also makes post production way easier when you do it live. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, yeah. Our, our show is ninety uh, percent live, really, as it is. We do uh, minimal editing, and then yeah. we, we upload it. I mean, and and people always ask me, you know, when you do live, is it, is it, is it like scary or is it thrilling? And I say yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's true. Yes. <laughs> uh yeah, uh there's like one of the worst episodes I ever did was that we were doing a debate with uh PZ Myers and Greg Epstein oh, in like man. in two in two thousand thirteen. And the radio station I, I was moderating. Uh everybody else mic everybody else's microphone was off and the radio station started shutting down <gasps> like parts of it were just turning off and and the microphones were dying the headphone amp started freaking out uh the phone system was start was was threatening to reboot and both both of our our, our interviews were interviewees were were on via phone oh, and no. it's like ah um and so like i tried to get somebody else to tag in but everybody's like no it's not gonna work so i have to like ask a question have other people take notes so that I can ask a follow-up question, jam my headphone on the desk, run into the other room, start slapping buttons and stuff like that, and, and <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, oh, God, to kind of reboot the EAS system without taking us offline. Ah! And, um, and it was just, and you can tell. Like, we, I had to, I ended up heavily editing that before we went, before we podcasted it, but I'm, I'm not, like I'm asking questions using English words, but what do you think about it? And I would forget people's names. Uh, it was, oh, it was the worst. It was the worst moment. But but it was after it's over, and a few years have passed, and it's enough to smooth the rough rough edges off and uh, make you realize that the people you were interviewing you may not hate you forever. Uh, <laughs> It's kind of thrilling. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but that that time has to pass yeah. before it gets from terrorizing to, to thrilling. thrilling. Yeah. <laughs> Many sleepless <Yeah>. nights. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Sam. <laughs> in conclusion, there. Uh, what is it that you're hoping that Ask an Atheist does eventually? The, the day you can say, "Okay, I can retire this piece. I'm mission accomplished." What, what's what's your end goal? Well, uh, 
You see, the, the whole point about being on radio and being on commercial radio for so long was uh, was to get the, the, the ideas and the concept of atheists as everyday human beings uh, in the in the ears of people who would not otherwise pay attention to us. Um where with uh, with with television, yeah, you got channel flipping, but it's cable, and everybody just sort of automatically skips over, um, aut- skips over the the cable access channels, especially in Seattle. Um, <laughs> but uh, with with talk radio, uh, you got people listening to, and we're talking about you know back in the day when we were on commercial radio, we're talking about AM talk, and AM talk is uh, very very is a very particular market segment. Now it's all sports talk. Sports talk kind of dominates the AM dial because conservative talk, which is what it was at the time, uh, the people who listen to that are are aging out, which is a nice way of saying dying. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, and so we sound like, you know, I, I have a little bit, I, I, I've got a voice, I sound like somebody who might scream about a return to the gold standard into a microphone on an AM radio station. So I sound a little bit like somebody who might be, uh, who might be that kind of guy. But then you listen and I start talking about what, you know, the tenets of secular humanism or, uh, you know, or why, why the abortion debate matters to us and what, what freedom, what liberty actually means in the, in these contexts. And I'm saying stuff in a milieu they understand, but the content is completely new to them. It sticks in their head, mm-hmm. and um, and as a result, like you know, we would meet people who are like, oh yeah, I'm a truck driver, and I just happened to be driving down I five, and I heard you guys, and so now I'm here to see uh, uh, see Shelley Siegel. Like, oh, nice, nice, <laughs> and, yeah. And so that's that. That's what radio means to me. And now uh, I. I and that's uh, that's part of what returning to broadcast means to me. Um, and I eventually I would like to see, uh, you know, I've been doing this ten years. I I have no idea how long. Like every time I think I'm going to get tired of it, uh, I discover five or six thousand different other things I can do. <laughs> but uh, I at some point I would like to pass the show on. Yeah, I would like to see Ask an Atheist with somebody else, you know, somebody else's name. And that 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 ultimately is. I, I'd like to see. I'd like to see it live on. That's a problem, isn't it? Because you're thinking that you do do this, and eventually you say, "Well, you know, if somebody can take it off my hands, somebody who's even more talented than me." But then it turns out nobody wants to because everybody says, "No, the show's not the same without you." <laughs> yeah, that that just happened to me. Is that we had somebody who was thinking about uh, taking on a lot more production duties, who I thought was just phenomenal in front of and behind the microphone but they just uh you know it's like i know i see what you do i don't want to do that i'm like okay (laughs) i feel like that's kind of the beauty of it and like having somebody else come in is like it's not exactly the same it kind of becomes what they make it yeah so it has it's it's got that beginning but it kind of it becomes what the new new up-and-comer makes it yeah yeah, and that's already happened on the show where with because Becky never I had to drag Becky into the host chair kicking and screaming. <laughs> I know what that's um, like. No, you don't. Yeah. You dropped a grand piano on me. You jumped into the <laughs> chair right away. You don't know what it's like. You started it. <laughs> uh, she was fine to co-host, but she was always like, no, no, this is this is your dream. I don't want to I don't want to like, nope, you are. No, I, I you are doing this. Um, cause she clearly loves do it. You know, she clearly loves 
loves it. And and so I finally got her working into the you know use it sitting on this side of the table, and um, she was a, she's a natural at it. And we she has a completely different approach. Mm. Uh, she's a you know she's a, a public school teacher. Um, she uh, she's fluent in Spanish. And so we've done a couple Spanish language episodes, um, and we'd like to do more of those. Mm. And she has a, a where I'm jokey and laughy and hey, how's it going? Um, she's a she's a really good at ex- be- much better at explaining things and getting on both sides of the issue uh, than I am. She's much better at cold reading than I am, which helps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you ba- you balance each other out. Exactly. Exactly. Fantastic, Sam. Uh, <laughs> the the mic is all yours, my friend. Be shameless. Go ahead, plug yourself. If people want to listen more of your whack adventures and Becky's whack adventures, at ask an atheist. Where can they find you? Okay, you can find the the two projects I'm working on. Uh, is you can find us at atheist radio. That's uh, Ask an Atheist with Sam Mulvey. Uh, new episodes posted every Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, and our home station, which is uh, a thing that I'm working on right now. You can find us at ktqa.org. That's ktqalp. 95.3 FM. You'll be, if you'd be so kind, send me those links, and I'll put them in the notes of the show. Absolutely. Perfect. Sam, before I let you go, i got to have you say, Hi, this is Sam Mulvey of Asking Atheist, and I took a left of the valley. Okay. Hi, this is Sam Mulvey of Asking Atheist, and I took a left at the valley. Fantastic. And that was Sam Mulvey of Asking Atheist. I got a word for him. Enthusiastic. No yes. kidding. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, he he is. Um, how do I say that? Yeah, enthusiastic. Man, and that energy just comes across. Intoxicating, yeah. and you know, you kind of it's like, yeah, you you just want to do all this stuff with him, and yeah, no, wh- yeah. whatever trip he's taking you on, you just want to join in because there you he's go. got energy. Yeah, he's got yeah. lots of energy. Yeah, that was a great, great interview. It was. He's a lot of fun. And hopefully not the last one with him. And maybe next time we'll also have his uh, co-host, uh, Becky. Becky, uh, which, yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. So, uh, and split a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> we'll to, yes, we'll have to do the pizza. <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen then, you know, do the whole Chicago edition. <laughs> yeah. It has to have pineapple. Pineapple, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to introduce him to pineapple. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> thank you so much to Sam Mulvey for joining us on the show. Thank you, ladies, for being with me, and thank you for listening. You can find us at leftatvalley.com. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, at LETV Podcast. You can send us an email at leftatvalley at outlook.com. Send us uh, your complaints to Nancy on the third floor, but beware of the incoming knife. Give us a five star review wherever you find us. It helps us, it helps others find the show. And if you want a behind-the-scenes look at all some extra stuff, you have to become a patron like our friend Freethinker215, and you just go to Patreon slash LATV. And let me tell you, the Patreon stuff behind the scenes is getting good. Way way more stuff than you expect, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Some sides of us you did not think you'd hear. (laughs) All right, next week we'll be talking to the guys from Godless Revolution with Dan Ellis. And then, of course, we're closing the end of the month with a Halloween special. We'll be talking campfire stories around the uh, virtual campfire ghost stories. And in November, we'll have uh, Bimilzebub, the Horror Houses. We'll be talking to him. And, of course, our friend David Fitzgerald. Horror. Yes, Horror Houses. (laughs) Not not Horror Houses. Horror Houses. (laughs) Our friend David Fitzgerald comes back. And we'll also have Jeff Cohen from FAIR talk about... uh, uh, bias in media 
And we'll also have The Brazen Atheist with Erin Lewis. She used to be a stripper. But that's going to be interesting. And then we got a couple of other things with our friend Del Rey will be coming back soon to talk to us somewhere in the end of November, December. Uh, and then, of course, there's going to be Christmas already. Jesus. Yeah, oh. Time just flies. Man. Time and just flies. It, it is. And really a very, very, very happy Canadian Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. You can do Thanksgiving tomorrow or Monday. That's your choice. right. That's right. Yeah. Perfect. Anything else we need to add to this, please? See you next week. Sounds Enjoy the good. weather. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Until next time. Science is universal. Were you to say that Horus isn't real, but Jesus is, or Zeus, Thor, Mithra, Vishnu, you don't believe in them. We always, Kevin always asks, so that's yeah, a good yeah. thing. Kirsten has a nasty tendency to ask questions about sex and furniture, too. So. <laughs> Excuse oh. me? Okay. <laughs> uh, this sounds great. <laughs> we, we only go to Ikea for sexual stimulation. What can I tell you? <laughs> you know what? I bet you there's a kink named after that. There's got to be something named after that. Something, somebody's aroused by furniture, right? <laughs> that's got to be something, I bet. The people are weird. Save it for the other show, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, you can see how serious we are. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Okay. So much for a wellness break. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to reality, Sam. So harsh, start right off the bat with us. You caught us on a real good day. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's do this. Don't want to affect business. He loves money too much. We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them while they plan to molest them? We teaching them to respect them. Respect them. Fuck that. The system is broke down, working backwards in the only action of tactic. I plan to practice now is to attack them. The parties of God's hands are bloodstained. Millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name. And let me take a say, don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful that many atheists are told to be quiet.